Welcome to Growing Empowered Eaters. I'm your host, Ahuva Magda Hirschkop, mom of three, registered dietitian, and women's empowerment coach. I work with women around the world to support them in reclaiming their power, tapping back into their intuition, and harnessing the true power of the dinner table to raise empowered humans. Want to find out how? Listen along and you'll be sure to learn. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Growing Empowered Eaters. Um, Today is going to be an awesome conversation. I already know it. You're going to love this episode. I'm going to tell you just, you know, right off the bat, I have a real powerhouse with us today. I have Tia Slidem here joining me for a conversation. Tia is a parenting coach, teacher, business owner, and best-selling author. And most importantly, she's a mom of the most amazing boys because I've seen them. I've seen them on social media. She is the founder of Tia Slidem Parenting Solutions, and she is the creator of the Parenting with Purpose Method, where she works with parents to teach them positive ways to decrease the daily struggles we all encounter as parents. You learn how to save time and energy so you can live a high quality life with your kids, enjoying the moments you have together. Tia has a master's degree in early childhood education and is certified in positive discipline and has worked with kids and families for over 16 years. She works alongside you to tailor a plan to solve all of your parenting struggles and her positive solutions will be an effective, long lasting, and most importantly, will help you, will help you and your child reconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of incredible. So that's like all of you, like you just do all of that, like no big deal, whatever. <laughs> that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> so Tia, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. I'm excited to get into all the goods that we're going to chat about today. So how did you get from a master's degree in early childhood? Like how did you sort of evolve into creating the parenting with purpose method? Yeah, such a good question and not something that I had planned at all. Not something that was in my foreseeable future of goals that I had in mind. It it just like life happened and it led me there. Um, When I was in my kindergarten classroom for years, I taught 30 kindergartners each year, 90% who were non-English speaking, who had never been to school before, who had no idea what they were doing. And year after year, other kindergarten teachers would say to me, Tia, you always get the good kids. Every year you get the good kids. And we randomly selected 30 kids off a list every single year between the five of us. So there's a lot of kids. There is no way in hell I got 30 good good kids every single year by random selection. But what it was, was that I learned that it's self, that's it's management and it's it's their self-management. It's my classroom management. It's my consistency and my boundaries and my ability to nurture. And all of the management is what allowed me to enjoy my job and for them to have amazing results at school. And then when I became a parent, I just sort of took what I had done in my classroom with my own kids. And I knew if I could do it with 30, I could do it with two. Um, (laughs) And so as time went on, people were, I started sleep training and doing a bunch of things with early development because I loved what I had done and I had missed my teaching career. And as time went on, parents would always say to me, why do your two boys not fight? Why do they act like that? Why are they so polite? Why this? Why this? And all of a sudden I realized like, you know what? It's not me. It's not them. It's just skills and it's skills Mm -hmm. from a classroom to my own kids. And then I later became certified in positive discipline to kind of make it official, started my own practice, developed my program, which is a 12 week coaching program, which really does teach you all the skills to create that life you want with your kids. It's so interesting because I mean, you've had such an interesting journey and amazing results with the parents you're working with, but just the one piece that really just stood out to me as you were talking about that was you were working with kindergartners and even the people who are educating the kids, how quickly we start labeling 
you know, he's a good kid. He's a bad kid. He's a this kid. He's a that kid. Right. And something that I talk about with my kids who my older kids are just turned five is they want to be very quick to even label each other. You're a tattletale. You're a this, you're a that, you're a, and I always make it a funny thing. Like I'll be like, you pee. We don't call you a peer, right? Like we don't label kids as, but how quickly we actually often do, or there is this perception of you're either a good kid or a bad kid or a good mom or a bad mom or all those things, how quick, how early they start. A hundred percent. And once we create those labels, that's where our kids believe they need to live up to. And so what would happen even back in my, my teaching career was that the quote unquote bad kids in the other classes would be transferred to my classroom. And I would keep getting influx of more kids because they just, other teachers couldn't quote unquote handle them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just goes to show that it's all environment. It's all what our kids are taught. And if we're teaching them to be labeled as the bad kid or the slow poke or the picky eater um, or the person who struggles in school, then that's what they feel is their ceiling. That's where they cap themselves. Um, And that's really not what we want to do as parents. Totally. And I think that it's so, I think that so many parents just sort of think that they're labeling a, a problem. They're sort of just speaking objectively, right, about what's going on and maybe not that they are sort of co-creating that with no judgment with that. But just even through those labels, we're sort of co-creating the system that we actually don't want to find ourselves in. A hundred percent. And the the system where we're, str- where we're stuck and the problem that we think we're having where we create that label is usually just the symptom. So when we have a picky eater or a slow poke, we feel like that's a problem. It's frustrating. I get that it feels like a problem, but really that slow poke to get out the door in the morning or the person who child who won't eat, those are just symptoms that we're seeing that we're feeling. The real problem is way before that at the root. So if we think about even having a headache, when we have the pain from the headache, we take an Advil or a Tylenol or some form of medication to try and get rid of the the headache, but it's really the the symptom that we're trying to get rid of. So we use that medicine as a bandaid. And so a lot of times with parents, when we have, you know, those problem areas, which are symptoms, we put band-aids on them to try and get them out of the house quickly to get them to eat their meals using rewards or bribery or yelling or whatever it is that we get stuck doing. But we end up just staying stuck because we're so focused on the symptoms and we're not focused on the actual problems. Totally. Totally. And, and, you know, you bring up picky eating and there's so many different areas where we can relate to that as, as parents. And there's so many different areas that it manifests itself. And one thing that I think is so interesting is that so often, you know, again, parents label their kids or they fall into these patterns, sometimes even because of the labels that they've put on themselves or the labels they're trying to live up to, right? And even parents, and I've seen you, you post about this, right? I'm, I just yell, right? Like I'm a yeller or I'm a this, or I'm, I'm trying to, as a mom, be whatever that picture that I've created, right? Whatever the label is that I think that I'm supposed to be. And these are just even some of the ways that I'm trying to do it, right? A good mom has kids who eat vegetables or kids who listen to their bedtimes or kids who, whatever, you know, that picture that we've all created is, And we actually sometimes don't really have the skills to get there or parents don't realize they don't have the skills to get there, but they're trying so hard in their day-to-day to do all the things to get them there. Which is exhausting and overwhelming and you keep feeling like you're failing and you try and read books and listen to podcasts and webinars and 
hire people and you feel like you're just nothing ever works Mm -hmm. uh, because you want that picture perfect image in your mind. And there really is no picture perfect. And even being a parenting coach, I'm not perfect. My kids are not robots. They're not perfect. Um, but I I love that you say you, you decrease the daily struggles, right? Like nobody's saying we're ever going to take every struggle out of parenthood. There's are things that are going to be challenging, right? Yeah, because our kids are forever growing and developing and entering new stages and phases. And, and it's not that we want to take parenting of, oh, this is the terrible twos. It's a phase we just have to live with. That's not where we want to be. We want to have the skills to really enjoy every phase, battle free to the best of our ability, because it's not about waiting out the phases and the stages. It's about having the skills to enjoy them as they go. Um, but all kids are going to push boundaries until boundaries are found. And even my 13 year old, we, we moved from them putting their dishes on the counter, which they've done for years when they're done eating to, I think it's time you're 10, almost 11 and 13, like put your dishes in the dishwasher, my friends, like it's yeah. time that we yeah. move forward and, and I don't need to be putting them in. Um, so there was all the teaching and training around, don't just throw them in random, like, let's like make a system here. And, and the other day, my 13 year old, cause it's new and all kids are going to push boundaries until boundaries are found. And we have a lot of boundaries that they know. So they don't push very often, but mm-hmm. we tried something new and we added something new in. And so of course, by nature, he's going to push a little bit. So he pushed the boundary and he put his dishes in the sink. And then I said, Oh, well, Hudson, you know, I, I need you to put your dishes in the dishwasher. And he's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to. And he's very compliant (laughs) with his glasses, getting ready for school. And he's like a man. He's like five, eight now. And he's like, I don't know if I really want to. And I'm like, well, it's okay. You know, if you don't want to, but either our dishes go in the dishwasher and then for late start, you can go enjoy your screens or your games, or you can leave the dishes and leave the games. I I don't care either way you pick. And he kind of looked at me and he was like, okay, fine. I'll put the dishes in the dishwasher. Um, Because the kids are going to push boundaries. There's no picture perfect, but how you handle it, let us have a really nice morning together, a little small interaction that was calm. Mm -hmm. And then we've solved the problem. I haven't had to talk about the dishes again. And now he knows my boundary. Once we get the skills, we handle every situation like that. And that's where life is so enjoyable with your kids. So I find in working specifically now in shifting sort of from doing only nutrition coaching to also working with professional women and, and sort of in both those areas, one of the biggest challenges that I find in, in working with parents is being able to discern boundaries that feel good and mm-hmm. feel like they're moving in the right direction versus ones that feel arbitrary. And to sort of go back to the example of picky eating, right? Because that's, you know, that's a space where we, we both work is just, you know, in people's homes when they were growing up, Sometimes it felt like there was a, a rule which sort of was presented as a boundary, right? We clean our plates. We, we, everybody has to eat all their greens. Everybody had like whatever those lists were that actually felt harmful and felt totally arbitrary, right? Like the rules felt like they made no sense. And mm-hmm. sometimes putting boundaries in place now as a parent, whether that's boundaries, even for yourself as a mom, like I'm going to take time for myself or I'm going to whatever that looks like for you or putting boundaries in with our kids can feel so loaded because any boundary feels sort of like it's, it's just, you know, one of those arbitrary, like I'm just making the rules. I'm the parent. You listen to me. So this is where our, our childhood lives in us. 
Yeah. And for most of our generations, we lived in authoritarian households where both were or one parent was where we did what we needed to do because our parents said so. And we really did it because we weren't sure what would happen if we didn't do it. Yeah. So we just did it. And in today's society, it just doesn't work that way with technology and outside resources. Kids have more freedom. It's dangerous to be out in the world alone. So they lack freedom. It's a big change in the way that we're raising kids. And so we we want to shift from that overpowering authoritarian. You do it because I said so. You eat your greens because I said so. You don't get down from the table until I tell you. And then it doesn't feel good because it didn't feel good to us as a child. And it doesn't feel good to us now. But we don't know how yeah. to transfer that to boundaries that do feel good. And so what I want parents to think about is when we're setting boundaries, I never really like to use the word rules because it does feel like like you're going to just smack them on the back of the hand with a ruler if they don't yeah. do what you tell them to do. But rather that we're setting boundaries with mutual respect. So if a boundary for yourself, like even if your partner was going to set a boundary on you and say, uh, Ahuba, you can't get down from the table until you eat everything. Like, would you really want your partner to tell you that? Yeah. Probably not. So should we be telling our kids that? Probably not. So we often forget to put ourselves in our kids' shoes. But if you slip on their little shoes and you think about what you're saying to them, does it involve mutual respect? Would you be okay with it? Yes or no? And then shift your boundaries to one that you would feel good about. And I think that's so important, even because part of, again, what I work with women on is being able to trust their own decision-making, right? Tapping back into self, self-trust, self trusting their intuition, trusting their decision-making. And sometimes when we slip on other people's rules, right, or boundaries, or, you know, like the rules that maybe you grew up with as a, as a child, or even, you know, in the world of social media, when you're seeing somebody else do something, you're like, maybe I should do that in my household, or whatever that looks like, it can become really difficult to hold a boundary that you actually don't care about, or is it really important to you, right? Sometimes it's maybe you are a parent who it would be enough as for your teenagers. And, you know, you can tell me if this is, if this is right or wrong, but to leave their dishes on the counter, right? That's maybe what what you're happy with. And you're like, you know what? I want to load the dishwasher. I want it to be done perfectly. I'm pretty sure that at 30 years old, if I, when I load a dishwasher, my mom would probably still reload it. God bless her. But so, you know, that might be something where that feels good for you and putting the dish, the dishes in the dishwasher isn't really important, but you're sort of holding a boundary that just feels arbitrary to you. And then wondering why, you know, your kids push back on that also. Yeah. You've got to set boundaries that you want. And just because my boundaries are that my kids go to bed earlier than others doesn't mean you need to put your kids to bed earlier, Mm -hmm. unless you're having terrible behavior challenges, then we might want to think about shifting Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. but we want to set boundaries that we want. So years ago, my boys could have put their dishes in the dishwasher years ago. They were capable of that. And we do want to give our kids opportunities to do everything that they're capable of doing. Um, And so if your kids can do something, but you're doing it for them, we actually tell them that we don't think they're capable. And so there's a certain limit of where we need to continue to build their independence. But then also there's a certain area where it's okay if you don't want to do it. Can my kids make their breakfast every morning? Could I say like, here are the options, do it? Yes. Do I? No, I get up, I kind of organize it. We eat breakfast and we move on. I'm okay Mm -hmm. with that. If I didn't feel well, Could my kids be qualified and capable of doing it? Yes, they could. That's the goal. So really think about what you're okay with, what you're not okay with, 
don't worry about your neighbor or your friend or what's happening on Instagram. Just do what you feel good about and be consistent with it in a mutual respect way. And I think that's, that's really the biggest thing is just being able to trust that like your bound again, your boundaries feel good to you. That's, what's going to move, you know, your family forward. But I think it's so important in a program, even like yours is I know that you've talked about so often, you know, the various pieces of the puzzle. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a really big one is just being able to to tap back into that self-trust as a parent is, is, and, you know, I've sort of found clients sometimes coming to me, just being like, just tell me what to do, right? Tell me the exact rules in this situation. And I'm like, I cannot write you a prescription for every single day of your life. What's going to come up with your kids, what's maybe going to happen because we're dealing with living, breathing humans who have minds of their own and multiple of them often in a household, right? And we're dealing with, you know, me often, as a working mom, like someone who might have professional goals and maybe your partner also has professional goals and your kids have some other goal and we're all trying to coexist is being able to really understand, right? What's going to move you towards this overarching goal. If you're, if you're a person who's like, I want to send empowered humans out into the world, how does whatever we're doing on a Tuesday night actually fit into that much larger, you know, picture or much larger puzzle? Yeah. So basically in a nutshell, that just means how are we empowering you, the parent, mm-hmm. to handle whatever comes your way. And yeah. that's exactly why my program is successful for parents is because you can hire somebody to come in your house to help with the eating or the sleeping or the whatever it is, the tantrums, and your child is not going to act the same for whoever comes into your house. They are going to be amazing. Um, And then you're going to be like, wow, that was magic. And then they're going to leave and then you're going to try it and it's not going to work. And then you're going to be like, no, that person is magic. I'm the one that can't do it. And it's not about that. So it's not about having people do things for you. It's about letting people teach you and guide you and show you how you can be empowered because more than anything, your kids want to be bonded and trust you and feel connected to you. And so if you don't feel confident to help create those boundaries and that life you want with them, they're going to just keep spiraling until they build that connection. And so I think that empowerment piece is so important. Yeah. And I think that that's a really big one. You know, I've heard from, from parents like now isn't the right time sometimes to start making changes, right? Because we have this vacation and that, and like break and that whatever is happening. And I'm like, those are actually the times where you want to be enjoying with your family, right? Like those are not the reasons that we can't make changes. Those are the reasons that we have to, because you know, how much are we missing out on? Sometimes I call it as, as a parent being a manager versus a model, right? Mm -hmm. Like just being someone who's like trying to do all of the things to manage. I, I sort of like think about it, like it's like a restaurant manager, right? And like, you're getting all the fires coming to you of like, Hey, this is happening. And that, And that's what you're trying to deal with. And that ends up even being your experience of just being, you know, a woman and a mother and, or, you know, a a parent in general. And instead of being able to actually interact in those experiences. Mm -hmm. Because we think that there's going to be a perfect time to make changes. We think there's going to be a perfect time to deal with um, your child's behavior or the transitions they're struggling with or the move or the this. And so we want to clear our plate so we can focus. That's like the thing. I'm going to clear my plate so I can focus on making these changes. 
But the thing is, and the truth is, is you're parenting anyway. You're parenting every single day. And even though it might feel like hell for some of you, you are lucky that you get to parent. And so we're going to be parenting every single day, either driving ourselves crazy, yelling, wasting time and energy, power struggles around everything from morning to night. Or we're going to sign up and say, I don't want to live like this. I'm going to start learning from whoever I'm going to learn with or however I'm going to, you know, whatever capacity I'm going to do that in so that while I'm living and parenting, I'm actually starting to make changes. Mm -hmm. There really is no perfect time um, or just aha, like moment where everything comes together. Right. Like the heavens aren't going to part and suddenly (laughs) they're going to be like, you, Tia, it's your time now. Just do it now. (laughs) Yeah. It's not going to happen. Or mom's going back to work or dad's now going like all of these things where we feel like we don't want to learn something new because of it are the perfect time to be learning something new. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so important. Like just knowing that again, like we're going to be doing these things anyway, right? Like you wake up every morning anyway. And like, how do you want to feel in those times? And I think that that's, that's like even such a really important distinction for parents, right? I talk about it. Like, or do you want to be, or do you want to do like, how do you want to be in those situations mm-hmm. as, as the, the person who's going to be doing them anyway. Mm-hmm. And so often we get so, you know, myself included sometimes get so caught up in like the doing of parenthood mm-hmm. that we forget that we want to be in the experience also yeah, living in the moment. Yeah. And, and we're going to look back with regrets if we don't take charge now. So I have a lot of clients I work with who are 16 and 17. And they say, am I too late? And the, the, or I have a six-year-old, am I too late? I get that question all the time. All the time. I get six and I'm like too late. Imagine the years you have left. Even if your child is 16, like, do you want the next two years to be the same? And then when they go off, they don't want to come home and see you because this is the relationship they have. Like it's yeah. never too late. It's never, ever too late. Everything is fixable. It's little small changes for big results. It doesn't need to feel overwhelming. Trust me, if you're battling, it's way more overwhelming than what it is to make changes. But I think also sometimes we forget that we're raising adults, mm-hmm. right? Like even the question, you know, is 16 too late to change my child? Like maybe at 18, you're not going to think of them as a child. They're still living your child, but they're not a child anymore. But these are really skills, at least, you know, I think that the skills that you're, that you're teaching are important for kids and even more so like for how these kids are going to then interact with the world and feel about themselves and treat others and treat others and run their lives and then parent their own kids as adults as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's, there's nothing better than being a parent and having those around you be like, Oh my gosh, they're just amazing. They're so kind. They're so respectful. And, and that's an, a testament to the work you put in at home. And so if you're feeling like you don't want to take your kids out in public or you're nervous, or it makes you, you know, crap your pants because you got to go to the grocery store and they might lose their mind, then that just means, Hey, I don't have the skills yet. I'm going to learn the skills and I'm going to take my kid to the grocery store and it's going to be amazing because that's the way we have to think about it. We can't think about it as it's too late. I'm in too big of a hole. Problems are too big. Um, We go that way in our human minds. It's Mm -hmm. sort of our, our natural paradigm, but we want to shift that and just say, Hey, like, what do I want? And then how am I going to get there? So I have a very loaded question for you, mm-hmm. um, but it's one that I have heard time and again in my practice from people who are reaching out to me. And I think that, that it would really benefit everyone to have your perspective on it is what would you say to a parent who 
is embarrassed to have to reach out for support. Because I, I think this is, is something that I hear like so often, even again, whether it's in my like coaching practice or the nutrition coaching practice of shouldn't I know how to do this? Or it's so embarrassing that like I'm reaching out for, for support with feeding my kid or just being a human, right? Like who needs support doing all of these things? Um, and I would love your perspective on that. Yeah, I get that a lot as well. It's, it's this, again, a paradigm that we've grown up with that we feel like when we're not doing something, quote unquote, right, we're failing. And so mm-hmm. when we ask for help, we're basically standing up and raising our hand and saying, I fa- I'm failing. I suck. I can't just do like it. Right F on your forehead. Yeah. Just like, we're just like <laughs> branding ourselves with that. Um, and really what we want to think about is that we're not all experts in everything in the world. Like yeah. I'm on the phone with somebody this morning who has to fix my website because I have not a clue how to do it. <laughs> I am asking for help. Um, yeah. If we are, you know, starting to have gluten sensitivities, I am not a dietitian. I will ask for help. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we're so, our emotions get us get so caught up because it's our child and we feel like we should know what we're doing. You shouldn't. It, parenting is not intuitive. It's a learned skill, just like learning to perform surgery or learning how to run a marathon in the best way or learning how to be a dietitian or whatever it is. It is a learned skill. Society makes us feel like you should know what you're doing, but you shouldn't. Yeah. And asking for help means I'm strong. I'm open-minded. I'm ready to grow. I want to go to the next level. Like asking for help is like you wanting to be your best version of yourself, yeah. not you failing. I think that's it's it's such an important distinction to make for parents because I do, whether it's feeding, whether it's anything in parenting, so many of the parents who I speak to before working together sort of do, they have this idea that they're like, this is something that I should know. And it's so wrong that I don't know it. And clearly everybody else knows it. And everybody else was given the handbook when they had a baby and they just knew, and I don't know. And so what does that say about me? Right? Like all these things that we like to ruminate on. And one thing that I often, I mean, you and I are doing this over zoom. I always say, whether it's about feeding, you know, I couldn't know if you're hungry right now. I couldn't know if you're just by looking at a person and literally you come home with this baby and the baby is a stranger that you need to meet and you need to learn and you need to, you know, build your skills over time and also learn this other human being's needs, right? Mm-hmm. And so we don't typically think that we should just know everything about a stranger the first time we lay eyes on them, mm-hmm. but we do when it comes to bringing a baby home because there is this sort of societal expectation and mom intuition and all these things that we're sort of told. And it puts so much pressure and so much stress and crazy amounts of, of guilt on yeah. parents when there's one thing that we just don't know. A hundred percent. And guilt out of everything you said, the guilt that parents live with is so heartbreaking, so heartbreaking. And so the, the thing that you want to ask yourself is, do I feel really good about the way I'm parenting? And if you don't, that's probably why you're guilty Mm -hmm. and you're guilty because your, your best version of yourself wants to do it differently. You just don't know how yet. So I say that to my boys all the time. Well, mommy, I don't know how to, you know, make the flag football team. Well, 
you don't know yet, but you're going to go and you're going to try and you're going to learn. Well, I don't know how to hit my backhand cross court into the far corner. Well, you're going to learn. You just haven't learned it yet. And so we finish our sentences with yet, and we should be doing that as adults as well. We haven't learned everything. Like we're going to die not knowing everything. Um, But we're going to be the best we can possibly be by learning as much as we can the way we go. And I think that's, so important that much like every I've literally said it for about everything that you say I'm like oh no that's so important and that's so important and that's so important because the power of yet never stops right like I I just heard you say whether your kid is 16 whether they're six whether they're six months if you're trying to do it at the way that you really want to the first time or you're trying to start making some shift it's never too late to start parenting in the way that you want to 100 percent yeah I love that so Tia, thank you for joining me and where, where can people find, you know, all of your amazing info? I, I follow everything that you do on, on Instagram. I love every one of your videos, but where can people find you? Yes. Um, you can definitely find me on Instagram. I think that that and TikTok are the most popular places. Instagram is at Tia parenting coach. TikTok is parenting coach. So lots of videos, lots of information for you just to learn from there. Um, I'm live multiple times during the week. So you can come and get to know me, learn more about what I do. Um, and you can definitely find out information about my programs and my coaching on my website, tiaslightum.com. Amazing. I'm sure that every person who listens is going to be heading straight over there. Yeah. And I hope to hear from all of them and I'm going to help you and you're going to see it's not so hard. It's not so hard. I think that's one of the biggest things also that parents think is if I'm going to make changes, it's going to be super, super hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a major transition time. Yeah. And you're changing everything and I'm ripping the carpet out and you're not going to do anything the same in your home. Yeah, No, that's not going to happen. Small, little, tiny shifts. Like you hardly even know what's happening. Your kids hardly know. And then all of a sudden those puzzle pieces come together and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Why did I struggle for so long? Then the heavens do open. Yeah. (laughs) Then the heavens open. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, Tia, thank you so much for joining me and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me anytime. Thanks for listening to Growing Empowered Eaters. Before you go, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave us a five-star review and take a screenshot and send it to me over on Instagram at my handle at ahuva, A-H-U-V-A-R-D, so that I can say a proper thank you for joining me on this mission to Growing Empowered Eaters.